building a business on Instagram, like those days are done. There's a big difference between owning a business and having a social media account. Um, and so what I see is the businesses that are struggling the most right now are the ones that actually lack foundations. The heyday of Instagram is fading. Entrepreneurs who were selling like hotcakes on there have now turned to things like email marketing and podcasting to make sure they actually make sales. You can no longer rely on social media to drive business for you. Maybe you never could. To hear more about how you can incorporate social media without making it the center of your universe, we talked to Laura Sinclair. Laura runs a boutique social media marketing agency called the LJ Social Agency. She's also a marketing and business mentor, and she has a popular podcast called This Mother Means Business. You'll want to listen in to why Laura shut down her successful CrossFit gym to start her social media agency, how Instagram helped her then and how she uses it now, and what foundations she thinks you need in place to help people move from the scroll to the sale. I'm Lex Roman. I help creatives make smarter marketing bets, and you're tuned in to the Low Energy Leads Show. I want to go back, not as far back as the CrossFit gym, but back to the beginning of LJ Social and talk about the formation of that business. How did it get started and who were you working with at that time? Yeah. So my business really started out of necessity. And so not to like sprint back too far because that would make for a very long and boring podcast episode. Um, I did own a CrossFit gym for a period of time. And in March of 2020, I owned that gym. Um, it was a what, what, I don't know when we closed, like March 15th, when everything shut down for two weeks out of an abundance of caution. I think probably if you'd asked me like March 1st, what my life 2020, what my life plan was, I was like, I'm just going to run my multi six figure gym forever. But the universe had other plans. And so when we shut down in March of 2020, I was actually eight weeks pregnant with my now three year old son. And so uh, I live in Ontario, Canada. We were under very strict restrictions during the pandemic. And so my gym closed. We made the decision to close the gym, uh, a family decision, a lifestyle decision, uh, a pandemic beat the ever living <laughs> junk out of my gym business decision. Uh, and we actually closed at the end of 2020. So um, at that point, I had a three month old baby, a two and a half week month old baby. Um, I'd been an entrepreneur for five, six years at that point, And I was not about to go back to give my, leave my baby with a nanny and go back and get a job. Um, being Canadian, I have the unique privilege that my American friends don't have in that it is very common for a woman with a two and a half year old baby in the United States to go back to a corporate job. In Canada, we have mat leave for about a year, 18 months. So um, it was would have been very foreign, very almost strange. Like there was no daycare that was taking my two and a half week old, month old baby. That's not how things are here. Um, and that wasn't my desire. And so it came from a place of being entrepreneurial and knowing that there's lots of ways that I can make money and needing to do the thing that was easiest. Um, and prior to owning a CrossFit gym, I have, I have a corporate marketing background. I started my career in public relations. I ran all the social media for some of the world's biggest brands here in Canada. Um, you know, back in 2008, when I started my career, when, when like Twitter was the thing, and brands were letting the interns run their Twitter accounts, I was the intern. So I had been in the space for quite some time, left it, ran my CrossFit gym for five years. And then it was like, okay, what's easy? Because I'm scrappy and I wasn't about to go back to work for somebody else. 
Um, and so I started teaching small business owners how to use social media to grow their business. Um, having been an entrepreneur at that point for five years, I had met a lot of other small business owners. There are a lot of small business owners that gravitate towards CrossFit for whatever reason. I think some of it is just like schedule. I think you're an entrepreneur, you're already kind of a high achieving individual and CrossFit's expensive. So there were people that had the means and more often than not, that was an entrepreneur. And the thing that I was realizing was just how genuinely bad most of them are at marketing their businesses. They're really good at the skills that they have, but just absolutely terrible at marketing their business. There's one in particular, members at our gym, they owned a like a cabinet, like kitchen refinishing cabinet company. Um, and they told me that they spent $10,000 on like a local television ad and didn't get any clients from it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like a, a, obviously, like you thought that you would have. Um, and so that was sort of like an impetus for me of realizing like, oh, you know, I actually have a lot of skills that most business owners don't. And I was able to use those skills to build a really successful gym business over the last five years. And so it really just came from a place of like, yeah, this is easy for me to do. And I know that there's a need for it. And that's kind of how it began. So in the early days, were you working with a lot of brick and mortar local businesses or who were your clients? No. So in the early days, it was all people that I knew. Um, and so I literally just made an Instagram account, posted on my Facebook page, like, hey, I'm doing this now. And I was really lucky because I was known in my community already. A CrossFit gym, there's a lot of people that come in and out of that facility. Um, and so I was already pretty well respected as a business owner. Um, and so I think, you know, the first day I like put it on my Instagram, like, hey, I'm doing this now. And I think within like the first week, there were three people that were reaching out and they were like, yes, I want to help you. At that point, I had no offer. Like I didn't actually know what I was doing. You know, it wasn't like, yeah, yeah, like here it is. It, so I had to, I literally came up with it in an afternoon what I was actually offering these people. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. And those three people were people that you knew. You already had relationships with them. This was your communication. Method. Yeah. So there was one gentleman that was a graphic designer and I knew him actually from, I was a nutrition coach for a long time and he was my nutrition coaching client. Uh, there was a girl that was a photographer and she um, shot my wedding actually and was a member at our gym. And then there was a girl that owned a distillery who I had known like 10 years before. She was the personal trainer of my old boss. Like weird connections, right? But people that saw that have known me, they respected me, even if they knew me when I was, you know, at that point, 23, 24, 25, when I was meeting some of these people, but had respect for me, watched what I did. And um, whether I knew it or not, I was kind of building my own personal brand which I, I knew that now, but at the time didn't really realize that's what I was doing. Um, and so those are my first three clients. Love it. And you leaned a lot as you were, you know, building this offer of social media marketing. You also use social media marketing as you started growing that business. Can you tell us a little bit about how that worked? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's sort of twofold. So I, I used it because I, that was what I was selling. Um, and I also caught myself like in the trap a little bit. And so as a person that like teaches building an online business, it's very easy to get caught in the trap. And so if I like take a couple of steps back, uh, let's go back, let's go back in the story for a minute. Pre-COVID, I had actually signed up for an online coaching program because I was doing a lot of postnatal fitness and helping women. I had built this program in my gym where I was, um, 
helping women return to exercise after having their babies because there's actually a lot of nuance to it. And a lot of women, myself included, after my daughter, who's now six, did a lot of really silly things. And as a result, you know, ended up with some injuries and things that I had to rehabilitate because I was just trying to get lose weight and get back into fitness and I did it all the wrong way. And so pre-COVID, I had actually hired a girl. Her name's Jessica DeRose. I joined her program called Empower University to build an online postnatal fitness business. And so that course was amazing. But what I got out of it the most actually was that I think I paid $5,000 US to do it. And there were 50 people in the group. And I was like, I'm not great at math, but I can do that math. And I remember being like, I had never seen anything like that. It was a 12-week program. I had never seen a person pull that off. It's like, what? Like, what am I looking at? Like, what is happening? And so that for me was like the first hint of like what's possible. And Jess teaches, and this isn't like a discredit to Jess, she's incredible. She teaches a very much like social media focused, organic marketing, social media, go, 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 go approach. That is her, her model. Um, and so that was the model that I had in my head when I was like, I fell out of love with fitness, just with everything that happened with the gym and where it was at. It just mentally was like a bit of a death for me um, when we closed. So for me, that was like where what I had come to understand as far as building your business online, um, forgetting that I had just built an entire business, pretty much not online, like some of it online, but a brick and mortar business five years before that and the 10 years of marketing experience I had before that, it was like, I just kind of forgot all of it um, and found myself down the rabbit hole of following some of these like online, I don't want to call them influencers, but like online business coaches. And so um, that really pushed like, oh, all you need to do is build a following and post every day. Um, and so that worked for me for a while until it didn't. And some of it is because I'm an introvert, which we, we, you and I have talked about before. Um, I also am a mom of two. I also don't desire to create that much content. And so it certainly like it worked for a bit. Um, and then I just kind of got to the point where I was just tired of feeling like I was yelling into the abyss and hoping that somebody was going to answer me. Do you, I'm really curious. So I'm I'm we're witnessing as we go into 2024. Well, this episode is airing in 2024. But I, we're witnessing this like shift in the online business owner space where there, there was a huge influx of online business owners in 2020 and 2021. And I think it was a uniquely online time as far as like the last 20 years of the internet goes. Do you think that that was a little bit right time, right place? Like in terms of being able to leverage social media marketing, do you think that that strategy is fading for everyone? Or is it just something that each business owner goes through on their own? I think it's 100% fading for everybody. And I think this is like where we I see this a lot. And I'm actually seeing this with some of the clients that I have right now that are coming to me and they're saying 2020, 2021 were the best years in my business. And now it's 2022, 2023, like things aren't good. And the first question I ask them is, okay, like how are you getting clients? What are you doing? Like, well, I have an Instagram account. Okay. So what you've actually done is you've skipped the entire foundation of your business that you need in order to do that, right? Like the days of people discovering you on Instagram and buying from you are kind of over. Yeah. And I don't want to say completely over because it does still happen to me. Like every now and then someone will say, hey, I found you from this reel that you posted. I really resonated. I mean, if you ever follow me on Instagram, I know you're not an Instagram user, Lex, but I like pretty, I shoot it pretty straight on Instagram. And so 
I'm just 100% authentically myself. Like I just say what's on my mind and sometimes like probably to my detriment, I can like see my follower count <laughs> disappear. But, you know, for the people that hate it, there's usually like one or two people that love it and are like, you know, how do I, yeah. how do I work with you? So um, it doesn't mean that it's, I don't think it's gone forever. It's just been really interesting actually over the last couple of years to watch some of those, you know, online influencers that are coaches that I was following really starting to lean into email marketing and really starting to create some in-person things. And this recognition that like actually, but building a business on Instagram, like those days are done. There's a big difference between owning a business and having a social media account. Um, and so what I see is the businesses that are struggling the most right now are the ones that actually lack foundations. Yeah. Ooh, tell us what those foundations are. I would love to. Uh, <laughs> so the biggest piece is like having an actual lead generation and lead nurture strategy, like a way to actually build relationships with people over time. And I think that the trap that we fall into is that oh, they just follow me on Instagram. So I just post there and I show them my stories. Like, that's enough. It's like, well, how many people's names do you actually know? And then like, how, what other touch points are there? There's a there's an old marketing statistic that's like, somebody needs to see something seven times before they take action on it. And I think that that number, I don't know if they've redone that number, they should, because I'm sure that it's way higher than that now. Especially when you think about like how, how we are just inundated all day long with options and opportunities and like last chances you know like all day all day every day even if you're not a person that hangs out on your phone you go for a drive you watch tv like you're listening to the radio it's constant constant barrage of marketing messages and so you know to go back to your question about foundations it's really like a being super clear on your offer you're being really clear on your messaging also being really clear on what your audience needs to know from you to take action and not just in like a what is your social media content but you know for me it's like how if you are a person that wants to use social media how are you using that to drive people somewhere else to then nurture those people and have communication with those people and foster those relationships over time and the easiest way to do that as a small business is email email list a lot of people using are using text lists because the open rate on texts is generally higher. I mean, there's not a ton of people I know that have tons of unread text messages <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, and then really just like understanding like what the funnel is, like what is the process of a person discovering you and then what? And I think, you know, in its most basic form, it's social media into email list, into, you know, via whatever that is, into, into welcome sequence, into nurture sequence, into offer sequence, whatever, right? But there's other ways to do it too. Like it doesn't necessarily just, and I know we're going to talk about this more. It's not just about social media. It's like, can you go into a room, go to an event and also put somebody through that process? Um, and so it's been really interesting to watch some of these bigger names in the online Instagram business space all of a sudden sending me emails or doing things like doing free things to use those as lead nurture to or lead generation to then then send an email. So yes, to answer your question, that was my very long winded answer. Do I think that it's dead? Yes. Dying. <laughs> not, maybe not fully dead, but dying for sure. Have you been doubting yourself? Are you forcing yourself into shapes and molds that aren't honest to who you are? Is the male pale stale way of doing things holding you back? then Glitter Bomb, you need Shortwave. Uproar Coaching's on-demand coaching experience for high-achieving, overcommitted women and femmes who want to bring their whole, true, most colorful selves to the table 
every damn day. Inside Shortwave, friend of the pod and coach, Carrie Ginsburg is on standby to support you, gently call you on your BS, and celebrate the things that make you, you. When you want support to choose yourself unapologetically and unabashedly, and you don't want the constraints of scheduled conversations, Shortwave is there for you. On that point, where do you think Instagram and other social media channels fit within that lead nurture? Like, because I do think a lot of people think of it as visibility. But as you mentioned, you know, in the earlier part of this interview, like your first clients didn't really come from Instagram. Instagram was sitting kind of lower down in that, in that, uh, you know, funnel, or I like to call it a loop. But, uh, and I have clients that are similarly, they use social media, but it's actually not the visibility channel. It's, it's lower down. It's more of the stay in touch channel. So where does it sit for, for most of your clients now? So for most, most of my clients, they come to me, it's the channel. Um, and then we try to, we try to move it away from it. Right. And like, and I, I kind of like to, like to speak about like, what, where's your hero? What's your hero in your business? And, um, for some people that's Instagram probably shouldn't be just throwing it out there. Um, for me, I, you know, I have a podcast, so a podcast is where a lot of my content comes from. And obviously you Lex and your videos and, and the content that you create, like this is, I'm assuming probably the hero in your funnel as well, or your loop for me, I, I really, I get them to try to deprioritize it or to use it as a tool to send them to a different hero. I think that there's a place for it. I mean, I own a boutique social media marketing agency, so it's hard for me to be like, oh, you don't need social media. You do because of the ways that people um for the most part are researching right and, and, and there, it's, this is nuanced so if you're in a if you're a one-person business and you are building your business largely through relations and referrals like you probably don't need to spend that time on that much time on social media if you have a larger brand there is a piece of like evidence that a customer looks for um like if you're i'm going to use the distillery that's what's coming to my mind you know if you run a distillery and you're you know selling your spirits but you don't have a social media account like i probably have questions like is this legit are you real right so there's that piece of it um but for me i think like i enjoy social media to a point i also have built and the way that i use it is really about building relationships and encouraging communication i have i've gotten really bad at this but my dms are out of control like i i have conversations with when i'm on social media most of the time is spent actually having conversations with people in my DMs now rather than um, just trying to post seven times a day because that's what Brock Johnson told me to do or whoever, you know, whoever you're following on this year. Um, and so I think some of it is like how you how you choose to use the tool, but also like at the end of the day, if you're not using social media to drive people somewhere else, you are kind of missing the point or you are setting yourself up to fail because at some point the algorithm is going to change the three to 4% of people that see your content is going to become like 1% and you're just going to always feel like you're behind. Yeah. So, and in your business, even though you run a social media marketing agency, you've also moved away from social media. So can you tell us how you how you get clients now? What's sort of changed in the last few years? Yeah. So for me, you know, my podcast is a really big one. People will find my podcast. Um, they also actually just got a DM right before I got on this uh, on to record this from someone that says, Hey, I found your podcast. I listened to the first, the first episode. I'm not gonna lie. I cried the entire time and I completely resonate with everything that you said. Um, and so for me, you know, there's two sides of my business. There's the coaching side of my business, um, which for my podcast is huge. 
uh, for my agency, it's largely referrals. Um, and that is, that is a lot to do with how I choose to run that side of my business. So, um, I can, I'll give it to you sort of on both sides. So on the agency side, um, I run a boutique model, so we never have more than 10 clients. Um, and because of that, I'm really particular <laughs> about my clients. It's like when I meet with people, it's more like me interviewing <laughs> them than it is really, really them interviewing me. Um, and that's largely because of like where I'm at, right? Like I'm a mom of two. I'm an introvert. Uh, serving clients is exhausting. And so I need to serve clients that are going to, we're going to be partners. I don't want that. I work for you energy. We work with, we work with you. So that that's sort of the agency side. It's it's entirely referral. Or somebody meets me. I deliver. They hear me. Uh, I I do deliver a fair amount of trainings, groups that I'm part of. I speak. Um. So people will see me there, and then they'll be like, "Oh, maybe I should talk to Laura." So that's that's really the big one for the agency. And because that's not a volume business, it's easy to run that way. Uh, on the coaching side of my business, I mentioned my podcast. That's a really big one. Um. But the other one that is starting to become bigger for me is uh, joining communities. It's uh, going to events. Recently, I went to a brunch, like a local brunch, like 45 minutes from my house. Uh, it was for entrepreneurial women or ambitious women. And the woman beside me and the woman across from me became coaching clients. And so that's for me, like when I think about 2024, I know we're in 2024 with this lives, but like that's where I'm, that's what I'm focusing my marketing on. Am I going to show up on social media? Yeah, of course. I actually enjoy it. So for me, I will do that. Um, but where I'm going to actually be investing my dollars is going to events both locally and, you know, internationally where it feels good for me um, and where it makes sense in my life. But um, for me, it's always like, okay, where, same, same questions you ask yourself on social media, right? Like, okay, where does your ideal client hang out online? Go there. Okay. Where does your ideal client hang out in real life? Go there. Do you find a difference between free events or paid events or like the is there something that you're looking for when you're going to these communities or you're choosing this brunch or something like that? Because I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who are networking and they're like, it's not working. And I, and I my bias is like, I think they're kind of showing up in the wrong room. So how do you make sure you're in the right rooms? It's a little of both. I actually think it's sometimes not the right rooms. And I also think it's more often than not the wrong approach. And so people will. And I and I know this because this is what I used to do. Right. It's like I would go into a room with the intent of being like, I'm gonna gotta, gotta get some clients, you know, like I gotta gotta sell myself. No, wrong approach. That is the wrong approach. I promise you right now, like I did not go to that brunch being like, man, I'm gonna scrape some clients from this event. You know, like I just, that wasn't it at all. It was just, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna be who I am and I'm going to serve. But the other piece of it is like really knowing the intention of the person that's there. So for example, and you and I have a mutual friend, Christina Bartold. We, her and I were just having this conversation the other day. Is that she can, because she owns a social media marketing agency, different model than mine. She runs a volume model. I run a boutique model. So typically when I'm going, and because my agency is largely referral, when I'm going to an event, I'm not going to an event for my social media marketing agency. I'm just not. Um, I'm going to an event for the coaching side of my business and to support people. When Christina goes to an event, if she's in a room of like 20 entrepreneurs, Regardless of the event, she's probably going to end up with like five to 10 of those people are going to end up being her social media marketing clients, right? Whereas if I go into an event, I'm a business mentor. And so if I'm going into an event where people are already there being mentored by somebody, it's a weird room for me to be in, right? Then if that's, if that's the room I'm in, they're there to see that other person. They're not there for me, right? So a lot of it is understanding why 
It's not just what the room is, but like, why is that person in this room? I have seen a lot of my clients show up to serve in rooms where they were never going to get partners or clients out of those rooms because as you said, those people were not there for, they were there for a different purpose. And so you really have to play that forward a bit. And I want to step back on that note to the agency being driven by referrals because referrals to me always breaks down to a system. There's a lot that goes into that. And it comes across, I feel like when people say that, you know, because people will come into my business and they'll say, I'm getting most of my clients from word of mouth. And it's like, okay, well, let's break down word of mouth the way that we might break down the food that you eat in a week, right? What do you eat all week? I eat food. Yes, you get things from word of mouth. But that word of mouth is really a stacked system of some of these networking things that you're doing, of the relationships that you're keeping up with, of some of these masterminds and groups that you're a part of, communities, etc. So I'm curious, like, what some of those mechanisms are that make up the referral network. So I think the big one, and this is the one that most people forget to do, is to actually ask, right? If you're not asking for referrals and you're expecting them to show up, like, what are you doing, right? And so whenever I meet a person, so, you know, just from a straight word of mouth perspective, whenever I meet a person, whether it's I'm on their podcast, they're on mine, somebody's connected me on the call, the, I always make an ask of them. And my ask is twofold, right? It's either, hey, if you meet any other incredible entrepreneurial moms along the way, I'd love to connect with them, talk about them on the podcast, or... If you meet somebody that, you know, feels like they have good energy and they're looking for social media marketing, or if you know somebody, I would love to connect. And so I'm always asking people for referrals. Honestly, like the piece of referrals that we forget is just to ask. And I don't know why. I think it's, I mean, there's sto stories that we tell ourselves about not wanting to bother people or ask for too much, but um, you got to ask for referrals. Yeah. I mean, I think it really is one of the most flattened and discarded marketing strategies. And yet it is like totally. single-handedly the biggest lead source for almost everyone who's ever come on this show. And but it's also the easiest way to get business. It's the easiest. It's so much easier than any other tactic we could talk about. Yeah. I mean, but I do think there's some complexity to it. Like my business, I will say as an exception, my business has really never been referral driven. For I've been in business for four years. Referrals have never been a major source for me. But and I have clients also who struggle with that because I think some businesses are more, um, they're easier to refer than others. And I also think the fact that you're out there networking in all these substantial ways are a huge contributor to the relationships that you're building, right? And I have entrepreneurs that I work with who are not as keen on that kind of relationship building. And so referrals become much more challenging in that way. So that's when I say referral system, I don't necessarily mean the tracking system. I mean... The fact that you're building a lot of substantial relationships and keeping up with them in different ways. Yeah. And I think there's a piece of, and this is where it starts to get sticky, I think, for people. And because, and I know you're low energy leads, which I love this. Um, but I do think, and I'm the last person that will ever be like, you need to work harder. You need to do more. Do more. Like, no, if you, no, not me at all. But I do think that there is this like misnomer that like, oh, if I'm just going to build it, people are going to come, right? Like, I'm going to launch my product and I'm going to put it on a site. I actually had a client in one of my masterminds who spent four years creating a product. And I met them when the product was already like landed in their home. And they're like, I, it, it's not, nobody's buying, but I've been working on this for four years. It's like, well, great. Like how many events have you gone to? How many people have you networked with? How many stores have you talked to about this is coming in? Like, have you done any of that? Well, well, no. Okay. 
So that stuff has to happen, right? And I think as entrepreneurs, and I, you're talking to an introvert, like you are listening to an introvert right now. My preference would absolutely be to sit at home in my sweatpants and talk to no one. It really would. But that's not reality, right? Like you do have to, and this is, you know, there's nuances to this regardless of like based on your type of business, but there is a certain amount of inserting yourself that is required. I want to talk about the mastermind community, like the high level stuff that you've done, um, both the stuff that you've attended and the stuff that you're running. So Fast Foundations is one of these things. Is that Was that the first one that you went to in person? Yes. Fast Foundations was the first in-person mastermind. First time I had left my babies. I got on a plane all by myself, which I, by the way, I love doing. Like I, me going on a plane by myself. Like I did that all the time before I got married and had kids. And so, yes, I got on a plane, went to Arizona all by myself in April of 2022. That was the first time I went. Yeah. And what's the, what was the role of Fast Foundations for you in your business? I would say if I were just kind of put a bow on my Fast Foundations experience, really, it's, it's truly been about connections. It's about people that I have in my corner now that I didn't have before, people that um, understand what it is that I go through on a day-to-day basis, but also people that are forcing me to think bigger. They make me think bigger all the time, right? And I can guarantee you that if you are not a person that puts yourself in environments with other people that ask you to think bigger or push you to think bigger, you aren't thinking big enough. Like you think that you thinking you're thinking big and then you're around other people that are either doing bigger or wanting bigger and you're like, oh girl. Like I thought I was thinking big even as far as like September of this year. I went to Chris Harder's two-day roundtable in September and I was like, yeah, I'm thinking big. And I get in this room and there's like multi-seven-figure business owners talking about their 2024 goals. And I was like, meep. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, wow, this was cute, Laura. Like, that was a nice idea that you thought that you were thinking big. And like, it is, it is, it is. There's a piece of it that is stretching yourself. That's really important. Laura, if you could give one tip to our listener about how to connect with their best clients, what would it be? It was the tip that I actually already gave. And it was really just around like understanding where where they are and why, right? Like knowing why they are there. This brunch that I referenced was the perfect example because people are there for connection. And I knew that. And so I went there and I connected with people in my, you know, the fullest expression of my magic. And so I think that, you know, as as sort of clinical as that sounds, right? Is it's like, okay, you know that they're there at this event and why? You know, the the nuanced piece of it is really like knowing and being super clear and confident, which is also nuanced, in who it is that you are and like and what you bring to people, right? And I know that's easier said than done. And as a person that has social anxiety, as a person that is an introvert, let me tell you, I talk myself out of going to base. I try to talk myself out of going to every event that I go to, by the way, as I'll be like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm just not going to go. No, you're going to go. It's like I literally have this little like conversation with both sides of my brain right and it's like no you paid you're going right like I can coach myself through those moments um but really just being being clinical about it right like not go if you're gonna make the investment to go to a place because you know that it's the right place like you better show up as who you fully are love it what's coming up for you in 2024 what should folks know about yeah so I run a um a mastermind for entrepreneurial women I do that entrepreneurial mothers wow words are hard for me at the end of this episode um, and I run that twice a year. 
So it's called Ambition. There'll be a cohort that starts mid-January and then we'll start another cohort in um, July. Um, and I mean, the big things for me really are uh, my podcast, This Mother Means Business, that we drop episodes twice a week. Um, and my agency, if you are a person that wants to outsource your social media, I'm always happy to have those conversations as well. But the other big thing is, you know, we talked a lot about like getting in rooms. Um, I do host a connection call. And so every second Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern time, we some they've all rebranded it as the community hug. I call it the community connection call, but the people that are in it call it our biweekly hug. And so if you want to come and hang out with me and some other incredible entrepreneurial women, just send me a DM. You can just send me the word connect if that feels good on Instagram, or you can send me an email, laura at lauradreensocial.com. Um, and I'll send you the link so that you can be a part of that call every second Tuesday. I love it. Who doesn't want to go to a, a weekly hug? I mean, it's a great call. It's a free call. I should I should tell you that it is free. Um, we connect. We I give business help. There's usually a lot of other really incredible entrepreneurs on that call. Um, so that if you need help with a range of things, there's always people there that are willing to give help because I think that's all part of it. We all need to lift each other up. So true. Beautiful. Laura, thank you for being on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. Given that Laura is a social media marketer now, I was surprised to hear that she didn't think all businesses needed social media. I love her reframe of social as a marker of evidence for customers doing research and as something that businesses that are larger who might not meet their customers person to person every day might need. Social can still have a role, but it doesn't need to be the main part of your marketing. And you don't have to use it if you don't want to. There's always another way. If you like this episode, you should check out the one I did about why I deleted Instagram. I talk about my reasons for letting it go and how I realized it wasn't really that critical to my business. And actually, seven months later, not a lot has changed. I still don't use Instagram. So go check that video out if you're thinking you might bail on social too. Until next time, keep your energy low until you know the value will be high.